of truths. And there's more than 12, but these are the 12 that we chose. And my hope is by looking at these foundational elements, there'll be lenses for you to look through as you study the Bible on your own. These 12 truths permeate the entire Bible. They're found from cover to cover. And so we're taking on big chunks, but the idea is for you to then have this understanding as you examine it on your own. And the Bible is also there to give us philosophies by which we should live our lives. And so the elements that we bring in, the truths that we bring in, it should also be a lens through which you view your everyday life. You know, in the last month we looked at God. The three different aspects of God, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're now going to move into, for the next couple of weeks, examining the Bible's view of mankind. And before we get into that, let's just take a moment, just retreat for the next 30 seconds, uh, and pray. God, we are here because we are interested in you or we love you. We're just here for some reason because we want to focus in on you. And so I ask that you would honor that. That the next 30 minutes that you would engage with our minds and our emotions and you would give us individually what we need for this moment. Uh, just prick something within our minds, within our hearts, um, that we can walk away reflecting upon. You are why we're here. Amen. Okay, so tonight we're going to look at two sides of the same coin. First, the human. humanity is beautiful but broken. Humanity is beautiful but broken. Next week we'll look at God's response to our beautiful brokenness. But tonight we've got to focus in on our beautiful but broken state. We're going to start with the good kind of get ourselves all jazzed up about how good humanity is before I do. Yeah. Alright, so mankind is beautiful. After God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, he turns its attention to making man. And we're going to be in Genesis 1. It'll be up behind me. You got your Bibles, I encourage you to go there. So Genesis 1, 26-31 states, then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So I want to focus on three different things that we pull out of this passage about humanity, or or mankind. Number one, we have been created. We are not a byproduct of random chance or natural evolution. It's going to be a quick little more about this, but this is crucial. We are intentionally designed by the creator of everything that we will ever know. Take that one home. 
Number two, we are the pinnacle of all of his creation. We are the capstone of his phenomenal display of power and beauty. We are set apart from the rest of nature, given authority over it. We have been created to fill the earth and to use its resources to make our lives better. We have been given an incredible, incredible position in creation, one that comes with amazing benefits and a large amount of responsibility. A whole other tangent to go down there. Number three, this is the one I want to focus on more. We are made in the image of God. That's one, if you've been in church at all, you've heard that a lot of times. But really don't stop and think what that could possibly mean. Here is a way that we are completely different from everything else that God has made. We are created in the image of the triune God. From other passages in the Bible, it doesn't seem that we are physically created in his image. Apart from Jesus becoming flesh, God appears to be spiritual or in spirit. Now, from my interpretation and others, I believe it means at least two things. Number one, we have that we are made to be you are immortal. You have been given a soul or a spirit that is not temporary. Even though our bodies are mortal and die, there is a deeper and more essential part of who you are that resembles your creator. The second thing I think it talks about is that we have been made to have and to operate out of God's characteristics. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 gives us a really concise list of who God is and what his characteristics are. By contrast, the fruits of the Spirit, which is God, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Seth, go ahead and leave that up there as we go on. You know, instead of relying on animalistic drive and impulse, we are created to approach our lives from the foundational principles of love. Jesus defines it even more, loving God and loving others. We are specifically supposed to demonstrate this love through being kind and generous. We may need faith, being gentle to others and practicing self-control. Instead of acting out of the lens of survival and dominance like the rest of creation, we are made to approach life in the same way that God does. You know, it's out of these seven traits that I'm going to list it off that we gain joy and peace. When one lives their life and treats others with these God-given characteristics, then they and those around them experience what we all long to experience, deep and undefiled happiness as well as fulfillment and contentment. Across the board, that's what humanity desires. By being created in his image, we are made to bear his image to the world around us, to be his messengers, to operate in an entirely unique fashion in order to bring God's goodness to the rest of his creation. But what's so cool is that his image not only contains these nine essential components of existence, God also has endless variety and the ability to create. Because this is who he is, who he is this is who we are. Think about it. If you get to know a hundred different people, you will get to see a hundred different ways that God wants to show his image to the world. Each person is custom made, specifically created with strengths and personalities that uniquely reflect their creator. 
Humanity is a beautiful collaboration of endless variety. And in the same way that a creator creates, we are made to make. A quick glance through human history shows mankind's ability to create. Out of our God-given ingenuity and desire to continually add more to this world, we have brought incredible things into existence. From major advancements in technology to finger paintings, we long to bring our own unique touch to the world. All of this to say we have been beautifully made. We have been designed to bring God's goodness into the world like nothing else can. We are uniquely created and have the ability to bring our own versions of beauty and good into this world. And this is so important to keep in mind when you think about yourself and others. Here we go. I'm just going to continue to get you guys all riled up about how good you are. You are the pinnacle of God's creation. You. You've been brought into this world to uniquely reflect pieces of the one who made you. You were designed to exhibit love in ways that shows others how good God is. That love that fights against loneliness and despair and heartache that creep into our lives. You are not or a byproduct of evolution. You have been made for a specific reason. It's awesome. How can you not feel good about who you are? By Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Paul puts it this way. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. You know, it's really easy, I think, across all cultures, but in our culture, to get tangled up in the lies that your life is insignificant and of no real importance. That you are here today, gone tomorrow, and everything is pointless. And nothing can be further from the truth. You have been intentionally made by the one who is in control of everything. Made to be you. You must fight against the lies of Satan that your life is meaningless. Ephesians 2.10 summarizes this concept so well. For we, you, are what he has made us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. There's just so much in this, this tight group of words. We are what he has made us, intentionally made. He has laid things out in front of us for, to be our way of life. And this is, everything I just said about you is true for other people as well. Those around you are a unique and beautiful creation. They have been created for specific reasons. They exist because God spoke them into existence people around you reflect God's characteristics in their own distinct fashion. Now this can be so hard to remember. Regardless of the ways that they annoy you and the, their ugliness that you focus in on, people around you have been designed to uniquely bear God's image. Your spouse, kids, parents, your boss, neighbors, and the person sitting next to you, the random people that you see on the street or standing next to you in the grocery store, Donald Trump and the homeless people down in the mission have all been created in the image of God and resemble his goodness in some way, both big and small. Across the board, every single person that's been created falls into this category. I challenge you. 
intentionally reflect on this truth as you interact with other people. So allow your interactions with them to be motivated by their God-given identity. You know, Brendan Manning is one of my favorite authors. I like the way he puts this. Dear Lord, grant me the grace of wonder. Surprise me, amaze me, awe me in every crevice of your universe. Delight me to see how your Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his. To the Father through the features of men's faces. Mankind is full of beauty and wonder. If you intentionally look for it, I promise you, you will find it everywhere. That's one sign of God. You are beautiful. But according to the Bible, we are also born broken. If we go back to Genesis, we see that God gave mankind free will. The ability to choose who they were going to trust. Either their creator or themselves. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it, you shall die. And shortly after being created, Adam and Eve chose to reject God and to trust themselves. We see this played out in Genesis 3, 1-6. Now the serpent was more crafty than the other wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, You may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. The serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was the delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Because of this choice, the perfect state of the world instantly unraveled. By rejecting the source of goodness, we rejected the goodness that he brings. By doing this, humanity is now spiritually separated from the source of life. And this is a state that we are all born into. Romans 5, 12, Paul puts it this way. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death came through sin. And so death spread to all, because all have sinned. In this new state, we have something that the Bible refers to as the flesh. It is the innate part of every person that desires self-gratification and self-glorification. Is our internally is our internal drive to do what is best for us, regardless of the consequences. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 kind of gives us another incise listing. Talks about the fruits of the spirit later, but right now it tells us what the flesh is. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness. That means the willingness to do whatever you want to do regardless of the consequences. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. Dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, things like these. There's so many other things that fall into this category. The flesh, our selfish drive, is a part of our DNA, part of who we are. 
but please do not forget that we have been made in God's image, designed to reflect his glory. After the fall, after what we just read Genesis 3, mankind is still made in God's image. Your unique beauty and role in this world still exists. But due to our choice to rebel against our Creator's design, we now have two separate parts of ourselves that exist. Kind of like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is within each of us. One reflects God's glory, the other longs for our own glory and selfish desires to shine like the noonday sun. Now it's not as much fun, but it's just as important to spend some time reflecting on this part of our nature and how it applies to you and I. You were born broken. As it says in Romans 6, born a slave to sin. Your selfish desires are just as integral a part of you as your selfless design. Even though we understand the benefits of loving other people, not stealing from them, not hurting them, not getting angry at our kids, not drinking too much, not gossiping about our friends, or having sexual thoughts about that person that sits on the other side of the restaurant as you, we still have a part of us that craves to have those thoughts and those desires that wants to simply react to our greedy, lustful, angry, and bitter desires for that moment. From the time that we were born until the day we die, we will be constantly fighting this battle between two parts of ourselves. We will have you, isn't it? If you spend time meditating on this reality, you will recognize your need to be saved. You will come to the humble realization that this is a battle that you cannot win because it is a battle between two equally powerful parts of yourself. Now crying out to Jesus for, for salvation changes everything. And we're going to look at this next week. But it does not end the battle. Even those who have been spiritually saved by God's grace and have God himself residing within them still fight this battle. I'll give you an example from my life. So my daughter Eden's almost three, and in the last month, she's become extremely high maintenance, specifically right around bedtime, or at two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Right, I love their rocking her. We've done everything we've always done. Go to put her down. She's asking for one more stuff. One more drink of water. I want to put on my dress, not this dress. And it goes on and on. Right? Or she cries out at two in the morning and screams. We go up there, and an hour and a half later, she's finally satisfied. I had no idea this beautiful little teacup of a girl could bring me to a boiling point as fast as she can. It's amazing how quickly I can see red while I'm trying to rock and comfort her. We all have these battles within us and they're brought out by so many different things like bad drivers or politics or right? <clears throat> children whatever it is it's this battle that we have to fight it does not matter the internal what the state of your soul is internally you are in need of a savior if you want to continually live out of God live out God's characteristics to those around you to bring his goodness into the world, if you want to change people's lives through genuine love and to experience the joy and peace that come from it, then you are in need of a Savior. 
someone to continually step into your life and empower you to live the way that you were designed to live. You are beautiful, but you are broken. You know, the same is true for the people around you. They are broken and in need of being restored. Now, instead of using this as an excuse to judge and belittle them, please see it as a reason to have compassion for them. The people that aggravate you are just like you. They're designed to be an amazing reflection of God's goodness, but are struggling with parts of who they are that they are powerless to change on their own. They were born into the same state of struggle and are in need of a savior, both for the day-to-day as well as for eternity. Instead of casting stones, you were created to bring love into their worlds. Designed to bring small parts of God's goodness into their internal battle that they are fighting. By being patient, kind, generous, gentle, and having self-control towards them, you are living out your fundamental role in helping them to understand a little more of the one in whose image we I know this can be so hard to do. But if you are a follower of Jesus, God himself will empower you to do this. We'll look more at this next week. So if you haven't heard anything I've said tonight, I want you to walk away understanding this. According to the Bible, you are a beautiful mess. And you were intentionally created to reflect the source of all goodness. You and your neighbor have been custom made to bring light into this world. But in the midst of your beauty lies a selfishness that will destroy your light and cause darkness to spread. In order to live the way that you've been created to live, you need a savior. One that is far greater than you. One that desires to save you 